Welcome to our sermon. I am Pastor Nathan Escarga, and I am sure that God will speak to you through his word today. I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord t tonight. I've uh, been here all day for the most part. And um, tonight we're going to continue on with uh, the series in the word and uh, or the series entitled the word. And today we're going to uh, look into receiving the promises. And uh, in your Bibles, uh, if you would turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 to 22, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 to 22. Uh, and we, we uh, touched on this uh, a number of weeks back, uh, but I want to focus in on, on this thing of promises and, and uh, can, we, can we really trust God? When can we trust God and, and how do we trust God? Um, so I want to go over a few, three main points, but it says in this verse, it says, for all the promises of God in him, that's, that's a key few, little phrase there, for all the promises of God in him, Jesus, so that him is Jesus, are yes, and in him, amen. So they're, they're yes, it's not like maybe or no, it is yes, in him, Amen, as in it will be, it will be accomplished, it will not change because it is God that has promised. To the glory of God through us, it is for us and through us, the promises. God wants to show his promises to us. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God who also has sealed us and given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. And so I, I touched on this verse 22. The reason that we can know that we're going to get the promises is because as believers, we have been sealed. He has sealed us. And he's given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. How many of you as believers know that the spirit of God is within you? Okay, we we. We all know as believers that the spirit of God is within us. And that is a guarantee that the promises of God are for us as well. So the moment you gave your life to the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit came into your, your, this residence, this, this body, this temple of ours. And that we recognized, I, I recognized as a seven-year-old boy immediately that there was a change in me when I gave my life to Jesus. And this is a guarantee of the promises of God to us that they are yes in him and amen. Yes in Jesus Christ and amen it will be. So um, just a few verses before that. And while we're going back a few verses, I want you at this time, if you have a promise that God, uh, and you might have more than one, but uh, a promise in the word of God, you know where it is, uh, I want you to share it. I want you to give. Well, this promise is from the Lord, uh, or it is a, a scripture, a passage, and uh, you're just saying this has meant so much to me. So just in a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to share those promises, and maybe uh, if I could... I know this is really getting you out of your uh, comfort zone, but uh, maybe you don't have to come up here, but uh, just to be down on the floor so that everybody can hear in the mic as well, okay? So uh, just a few verses back, this thing of the promises of God in him are yes and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. In verse 18, 2 Corinthians 1, verse 18, just, just a few verses before, it says, but as God is faithful, our word to you was not yes and no. It wasn't yes or no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me, that's Paul, by Silvanus, or Silvanus and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him was yes. It wasn't yes or no, I'm not, we're not sure, maybe it was in him, yes. Jesus Christ, who was preached among you. This is 
what church is Paul writing to at this time? What, where's, what church is it? The church in Corinth, the city of Corinth. And if you go, this is the second letter he writes. In the first letter, he says, he talks about Jesus Christ, the message I gave to you, Jesus Christ and him crucified. Everything flows through the finished work of Jesus Christ. It says, in him are yes and amen. In Jesus Christ are yes and they will be done. Praise God. Praise God. So all the power and the wisdom flow through the gospel of Jesus Christ, the message of the cross. Is there anybody here that you have a verse or something that has, has maybe really touched you uh, or ministered to you uh, and is a promise of God? Anybody? Okay. Can I, can I have you guys just quickly, can you come over here, please, so I don't have to get back and forth. Can you come quickly? And uh, Peter, you too. Is there anybody else? Come on up. So one after the other, I want you to just share the scripture and the, and the promise. Go ahead. Bless you, sir. Psalm 18, verse 43b. A people I have not known, when they hear of me, they shall serve me. Psalm, for, Psalm 18, verse 43b. It says, A people I have not known, when they hear of me, they shall serve me. They shall obey me. The promise of the Lord to me. Praise the Lord. Awesome. Yes, Peter. My favorite part in Scripture is, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever, that's me and you, uh, believe, in, believe in him should have everlasting life. And that is so important to me. Proverbs um, 3, 5, and 6. And this was given to me when I was just born again, just a baby. And... It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding, but in all your ways. Seek him, and he will direct your paths. Praise the Lord. Anyone else? Okay. The word of God. A few promises. Let me just share quickly a few promises. I won't, I'll just reference the, the, uh, the verses, I won't quote them necessarily. But uh, w one of the things, as it was already mentioned, uh, salvation that comes by b uh, faith in Jesus Christ, John 3.16. But also uh, Romans 10, verse 9 and 10 talk about the fact that as we confess with our mouth, we believe in our heart that Jesus died, we have salvation. Praise God. Uh, and John 3.16 also talks about not just perishing or not that we would not perish, that we have eternal life. That's a promise of God to have eternity with him. It's like, thank you, Lord. We know that we're, where we're going to go because of our faith in Jesus Christ, but also because of his word to us, his promise to us. 1 John 1, 7 to 9 talks about forgiveness, that we can have forgiveness as we confess our sins. There's a washing, there's a cleansing. We are made righteous in Jesus Christ and through Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross, his blood that was shed, we are washed clean and we have forgiveness. His righteousness is imputed on us. We have relationship. In uh, John 1, verse 12 and 13, the relationship begins as we receive Christ. As we believe on him and we receive him, we have relationships starting immediately. We are born of God. Like you can't get much closer than that. We may not even know. Just like a little baby, it's like, okay, there's so much. Like I'm an ad, I might be an adult for an adult that that gets saved, but it's they there's so much that they don't know about God. And if they look, if I ask somebody who got saved in the last year or two, okay, a number of you got saved in the last year or two. Let me ask you, uh, Jeremy. Do you know more about God now than you did two, uh, a year and a half or more ago? And you're learning more every day. It's like, thank you, Lord, for that. There was this, this we don't really know so much about God. He knows, he knows everything. 
about us. And here's this growth of, uh, in relationship from being born again till now. Justin, how, how, how long have you been saved or you gave your life to the Lord? For about six months. And have you, have you noticed a difference in your life uh, when it comes to your relationship with God from when you first gave your life to the Lord? So every day there's growth, there's changes taking place. And the amazing thing is this, uh, we're experiencing this again uh, with our granddaughter. And we're getting all these pictures and videos and whatever. But one of the things that I've noticed uh, that our daughter, Alicia, is saying is, is this, she's always saying, oh, this is something new that Ophelia has learned. And, oh, this is something new. So uh, a, a week ago it was, and this is apparently very early, uh, Alicia let us know, very early. Uh, but she was able to roll over. So she's, and she has the video proof of it. I don't, we didn't see her push her over. We saw her, actually, she's laying on her stomach. And the next thing you know, there's this rollover by Ophelia at two months. It's like so cool. Uh, but there's new things happening every single day as a believer in Jesus Christ, as we are born of God, the thing of relationship, especially that's developing. Promises of answered prayer. Matthew 7, verse 7, talks about asking and seeking and knocking, persisting. And there's this thing of how God is so good that he desires to give us good gifts, good gifts. So sometimes you say, we might say, Lord, hey, I'm asking for this, and it's not happening. It's like, well, it may be that what you're asking for is not good for you. You're not getting it. Or it may be that what you're asking for, it's like, I want you to wait. Just you need to wait. Now's not a good time, or now you're not ready for it. Let me give you an example. Uh, I had an uncle, we had an uncle, us three boys, Ernie and Andrew and I, uh, that came from Germany. I was eight years of age, seven or eight years of age. And uh, he gave each one of us a hunting knife. So Andrew, I, you were like, what, six, five or six years of age? I don't know if you remember. You still, you still have the knife? Or you have the scar? You have the scar, yeah. Well, so my dad, he, it was like, like we were so enthusiastic about these knives. Like they were like, they were hefty knives for sure. Beautiful, beautiful knife. And uh, my dad took them very quickly. And it was like, yeah, they're, they're, uh, they're not getting that, the knife right now. They'll be getting it at another time. So we did get them. In fact, Andrew, you, sorry, did you, you still have that knife or no? got lost okay I uh, so I yeah I I have or had mine for years for decades and um, I'm sure if I uh, yeah sometimes the, where you put it, it it's not the best place no I didn't lose it but yeah I think I, I had one I left it in the car or I left it in the car just in case you just never know when you a bear might be attacking you while you're driving your vehicle and uh, when you need to have a knife so uh, when I went, went into the car, like the car was, was a little bit older, it was leaking a little bit, there was moisture in the trunk, long story short, uh, yeah, it was all rusted on me, so, but anyways, um, yeah, sometimes the Lord says no, or not now, it's not the right time. I just thank God that we have victory by his blood, Revelations 12, verse 11, through his blood we have victory, even over Satan, Romans 8, 31 to 39 talks about the victory, the life that we have, no matter what comes against us. At the end of that chapter, it talks about nothing will separate us from the love of God. Nothing, not even death, will separate us from the love of God. In Hebrews 13, 5, it, says, it talks about he'll never leave us nor forsake us. In Matthew 7, 24 to 27, it talks about the protection that we have as believers, those that hear his word and do them. The Lord is saying, I will protect you like a house that's built on a solid foundation. In Luke 8, 
talks about the sower and the seed and the increase that we can have as we hear the word and we do the word. We hear it, we receive it, and we begin to do it, and there's increase, 30, 60, 100-fold. In John 16, 13, it talks about the fact that we are promised guidance, that the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. That's a promise that Jesus gave. In John 10, verse 10, it talks about the fact that we can have abundant life. Yeah, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it more abundant, that we may have life and have it more abundantly. Praise God. These are just a few promises that just came to me just quickly. I just jotted them down, and, and, and I thought, thank you, Lord, for these amazing promises. Do you know, apparently, there are over 7,000 promises in the Word of God. 7,000. In fact, one guy counted, or supposedly, and, and his count was 7,147 promises in the, in, the, in the Word of God. Some of them are conditional, as in they need, there's a condition attached to it. If you do this, then this will happen. Others are unconditional. There's, there's no condition attached to it. And, uh, for instance, the fact that the Lord is merciful, there's no condition attached to that. The Lord is gracious. I mentioned on Sunday morning that the northern kingdom existed from about 940 B.C. to 722 B.C. Somebody do the math. That's what, uh, just 218 years, I think, uh, from 740 to 722. Um Correct me if I'm wrong. Quick math there, uh, going backwards. But anyways, for 218 years and 19 kings, not one of them was good. Not a single king in the northern kingdom was good. They did evil which in the sight of the Lord, that which was wicked in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord, for all these generations was gracious, and there was warning that came again and again because the Lord is merciful. And he doesn't want the death of even the worst sinner, but that they would repent. They would come to repentance so they, they don't perish. He does, God does not want even the worst sinner to perish, but gives them opportunity to come around. That's one of the reasons that sometimes you just say, well, why, why isn't there justice? There will be justice one day, but the Lord gives opportunity for even the worst sinner to come to Christ. Hallelujah. All right. So receiving the promises tonight in the word, why, I want to ask three questions. And the first one is why? Why should I trust the word of God? And you already mentioned a few of these that uh, were there, is that the fact that God loves you. God loves you. And even as a uh, person that may not know God, God loves you, and he gave his only son to die for you, that if you should believe in him, you will not perish, but you will have everlasting life. So there's this thing of the fact that God desires. We talked about asking. It says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. And later on it says, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven, give you good things to those who ask him. Our Father, for those that are believers, you've asked Jesus to come into your life, and you have. We have a heavenly Father that loves you, that we can ask of him things, and he wants to give good things to those who ask him. Good things, because he loves you. He's a good Father. Praise the Lord. The second reason why we should trust the Word of God is that the Word is, is for our benefit. It is for our good. That's one of the, another reason why we should heed the Word of God. It says, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So 
when it comes to the word of God, oftentimes in the instruction of the word of God, it is for our benefit on a day-to-day basis. It's for our benefit. And so the Lord gives us this instruction so that we can be made complete and equipped for every good work. How many of you like to be unprepared? No, I don't think any of us wants to be unprepared or being thrown into a situation, not being equipped. The Lord is saying the word, my word, and this is a reason that we can trust the, in the word, is it is for our benefit. So if you're not sure, well, I'm not sure if I could, should do this, uh, take, take a chance there on the word of God and do it. Go ahead, try it. So if you have a choice when you come to that fork in the road, what should I do? Should I do this or should I do that? I dare you to do what the Lord would have you do and tell me if it isn't for your benefit or if it doesn't keep you from harm or if it doesn't protect you or your, keep your reputation. That's the thing about the word of God. It is for our benefit. It is for our benefit. Uh, I mentioned this a few weeks back. Even when it comes to the chastisement, Hebrews 12, verse 7 says, if you endure chastening or correction or disciplining, disciplining that sometimes hurts, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? A, a, a child that has a father will be chastened. But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illeg illegitimate and are not sons. There's not a chastening. There's not a correction that's taking place. It's like you don't have a father. I know some of you may have grown up without a, a father. But when it comes to our heavenly father, the moment that you are born of God, you have a heavenly father that even in the correction, listen to what it says. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the father of spirits and live? So we, we were subjected to our ch uh, fathers and we, we respected them. How much more should we be in subjection to the father of spirits and live? That has given us life and will, will allow us to live. For they, our earthly fathers, indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them. But he, our heavenly father, chastens us for our profit that we may be partakers of his holiness. So when we are corrected by God, when we are chastened, we are disciplined by God. And sometimes it's like, oh, man, that's hurt. That hurts. But I learned my lesson. I learned my lesson. It is for our benefit. Always for our benefit, praise God. A third reason why we should trust the word of God. As a follower of Jesus Christ, we have nothing to lose. We have nothing to lose. In Philippians 1.21, it says, for to, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. It's like it's a win-win situation. Now, just... Does anybody know where, generally speaking, where Paul was at when he wrote the letter to the Philippians? Does anybody know what conditions he was in? So, not quite prison, but he was under house arrest. He was under house arrest. He was not allowed to leave the house, it was guarded. 
He, he was allowed to write letters, though, and he was allowed to receive visitors, but he was not allowed to leave the house. So I think they have something like that in, in our, our land where you're under house arrest. You can't leave or you can only leave at certain times. It's, it's amazing how confining <laughs> your house can be if you're not allowed to leave. And I guess we, we, we got a taste of that uh, over the last few years uh, where you s you're not allowed to leave or you're not allowed to come to certain places. It's like, oh, okay. Uh, but Paul is writing from a prison or this house under house arrest. He's confined. And if, you'll, if you read through the, this letter to the Philippians, it's very extremely positive. It's positive. Very positive. He says in verse 19, Philippians 1 verse 19, he says, For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance, this, this place, this situation that I'm in, through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Where I'm at, it's going to turn out. It's going to work out because of your prayers and because of the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit helping me in these difficult times. According to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed. I won't be disappointed. But with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. So he's, whether I live or I die, I want Jesus Christ to be magnified in who I am, even in, in this body, in this flesh, and even if under house arrest. Then he says, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live on in this in the flesh, this will mean fruit for my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. For I am hard pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with, with you all for your progress and joy of faith. That your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. He's saying, you know what? Even though I may want to go, I know it's more beneficial for me to stay for your progress, for your growth, for your development and so, whether I live or die, for me to, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. I gain. When I die, I know where I'm going to. I'm going to be with the Lord. What a beautiful promise. This is a promise to us, even that Paul mentions in confinement, in under house arrest, for me to live is Christ, or for to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Thirdly, or fourthly, why should I trust the word of God? Here's why. And uh, let me just give a little preface to this. Have you ever had somebody promise you something and they didn't deliver? Anybody, is, did that happen to anybody? Yeah, how did you feel? How did you feel? Cheated, heartbroken, sort let down. Jeremy. Yeah, or just yes, yeah. Yeah, you you find the verse, but the disappointment. Sometimes it's they pr people promise things that they cannot deliver. They they know, I, you know what? I'm just saying this. I don't really mean what I'm saying because I won't. I can't deliver. Like, yeah, hey, I'll be there. Oh, you can count on me. I'll be there. Promise. They're not there. Jeremy.
So in Matthew chapter 25, at the end, it's, yeah, it talks about what you've done to the least of these. You did not, or what you did not do to the least of these, you did not do to me. The things that you did do, the, the good things and the right things. There's a positive and a negative to this passage. Uh, the beginning part talks about when I was in prison, you came and visited me. Or when I was sick, you cared for me. So there is this aspect of um, the Lord sees the things that we do. He knows the things that we do. But for the promises that he would give to us, the promises that he gives to us, and even the things that he would say, the things that we do to others, um, he says, you've done it unto me. Things that we do unto others, um, our brethren, he's, we do it unto him. That we would do what is good to others. God is not like man. Numbers 13, 19, 23, 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a, son of, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and will not he not do? So the things that he says, won't, won't he do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not make good on what he said? Now, it's interesting. This is Balaam, the prophet, who really messed up big time. That God gave him the word. And this is, it is truth, what he, the Lord gave him. It was truth. But he's saying, God is not like man. Man may disappoint. Man may not really have any intention falling through on a promise. That is not God. In fact, today, this passage right in front of me, this today was the, um, the, the main verse. Psalm 147, verse 5. Great is our Lord and of great power. Let me just see how, what it says here. How great is our Lord. His power is absolute. Um, now, the amazing thing is, that I, this passage in the King James Version, and I like the King, the reason I like the King James Version is that uh, it takes great care with the punctuation as well. It says, great is our Lord and of great power, colon, so that's, and then it says, his understanding is infinite, colon, his understanding is infinite. Um, I've mentioned this over the years, a colon is like an equal sign in math. So, can somebody tell me uh, some numbers that would equal four? Sorry? Two plus two, not just two, but two plus two is equal to four. What's another few numbers that might equal four? One plus one plus one plus one is equal to four, right. What else? Three plus one. What else? 17 minus 13 is equal to 4. There's a lot. In fact, if you go that way, there are a lot of numbers that will equal 4. So here, let me expand on this thing of great is our Lord and of great power. His understanding is infinite. There is a sense of his power, his great, the Lord is great, and of great power and strength. His understanding is infinite. So what does infinite mean? It's, there is no end to his understanding. So there is this sense of a, a combining of the two of strength and power being used with all understanding slash wisdom slash knowledge regarding you. So you might say, ah, what's the big deal? I'll tell you. Let me, let me tell you this. If a person has extreme great power and is selfish, what kind of person that has great power and is extremely selfish
Okay, so there's sometimes those that are in power, we, we, what do we call a person that really doesn't care so much for, for his people? What do we call them? Selfish, what? A tyrant. Well, I, usually you have words like narcissist doesn't usually come up, but it is what it comes down to is a dictator, a tyrant, a dictator. Don't care about you. I'm just going to go ahead and do this or that or whatever, and I really don't care about you. In fact, if it's for my advantage, all the better because I don't care about you. It says here, that's not the case in this verse. It says, great is our Lord and of great power. His understanding is infinite. And we can look at that word understanding or we can take it as in, I understand where you're at and I, I care for you. I know exactly where you're at and I care for you. And I have the power and the strength to deal in your situation. That's the, the, the depth that gets deeper and deeper as we delve into this short verse is that God is able to back up what he says. He is able to back up when he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He can back up when he says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to be gracious to you. That my hand is over you. And he's backing it up because he can take care of you. I just say, thank you, Lord, that he backs up what he says. We can trust in him. Why should we trust in him? Because he can back up what he says. Lord, I'm going to trust in you. Hallelujah. The last thing, I, point I want to make about this, why we should trust in the Lord, and there are many more reasons that we could come up with. I just came up, this is the fifth point. I like this part. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows the end from the beginning. Isaiah 46, verse 10, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. What I desire to do, I will do it, and it is good. Remember when God created, began to create at the very beginning, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, they were creating, and it always, as things were created, so, you know, light was created, and darkness, there was a divide the very first day, and it says, after it was done, what does this say afterwards? Regarding the evaluation of his creation, what does it say? Pardon? A and it was good. It was good. And he keeps saying the different things that are creating, the second day, and it was good. The third day, and it was good. The fourth day, and it was good. All the different things created, and it was good. So here, his pleasure is to do good. He says, my counsel, the things that I speak, the things that I would promise you is for your benefit. It shall stand. I know the end from the beginning. I know that it will come to pass. The things that I say to you, my counsel to you shall stand. And I will do all my pleasure as, my, as our Father in heaven which says, I love you, and I want for your good. I desire for your good. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So, why should we trust him? For all these reasons. Secondly, I want to go over, when can I trust him? And I want to give it the, the quick, short answer. When can I trust him? For every facet of your life in every facet of your life, and especially for the future and ultimately for the eternity, you can trust them. So whenever, whatever you're going through, it does not matter. You can trust him. When do I trust him? Always. I'll always trust him. I can always trust him. Let me just talk about Jesus when he says he's the beginning and the end. The beginning and the end, 
when it comes to your 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 life and your existence relating to time relating to time your life the beginning and the end and recognizing with the lord we live forever Revelations 22, 12, and 13 says, And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. I'm coming. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. That's who God is. For us, we can trust in at any point of our life, whatever stage we're in, it does not matter. We can trust in him. Even for those that are brand new believers, and I'm seeing this so much with the care that uh, I'm I, obviously I'm using them as examples more and more because I'm seeing this thing of being a, a father and a mother and the care that they're giving to little Ophelia. It's like, here's this helpless little baby. So ye yesterday, she's, she's on a walk. She's held close to her mother in a little strapped on this contraption shirt, whatever, that she's right inside of it. And so uh, Alicia's taking a, a picture of her, and her head's back like this. And she's just... She's just looking. In fact, at one point, her mouth opens up, and she just goes, I was like, wow. And so Alicia says, well, what are you looking at, Ophelia? What are you looking at? And so she turns, and she, all you see are, are all the trees with the blue coming through, all the green. You can see it, and it swings back. And there's little Ophelia, just over two months of age, soaking in its all. She's looking around. It's like, oh, wow. Just blown away by the creation of God as she's soaking it in for the, she's seeing things for the first time and she's blown away. She doesn't have to worry. She doesn't have to care. She doesn't even know, my goodness, if my mother wasn't taking care of me or my father wasn't taking care of me, I would not survive. The thought's not even crossing her mind. I'm being taken care of. That is God. In Romans or Revelations 1 8, it says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Doesn't matter in the past, I am Almighty. In the present, I am Almighty. And what is still to come for us when it comes to time, I am the Almighty One. It's like, wow, when can I trust Him? Always. Even for my past, to take care of the things that I messed up in the past, taken care of. In the present, to take care of the things in the present, taken care of. For the future, taken care of. Man, I'm going to trust in Him. I'm going to trust in Him. Revelations 21, verse 1 to 8. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. It's like, man, what God has for us, just like a, a gift from a, from a husband to his bride. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle, the dwelling place of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, no crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. And he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, this is Jesus speaking now, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. You want more of the Lord? He's going to give you more. 
that we would thirst after the things of God when it comes to our life. Lord, I want more of you. I want more of what you have for me. I want your promises in my life. I want it. And he says, I will freely give to him who thirsts from this fountain of the water of life to have fullness of life. We always say, I'm, I'm focusing in on all the negatives that are happening. You know what? I am excited about what is happening right now and, and seemingly the worst of times out there. What God is doing in your heart and in your life, the things that he's speaking into you or giving you revelation or dreams of, and, and these are things that the Lord is saying, this is what I want to do through you, for you and through you. We say, yes, Lord, I'm going to grab a hold of those things because they are good. Lord, let me not be distracted. I want more of what you have for me. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son or daughter. To be my son, to be my daughter. You belong to me. I will be your God. You shall be my child. Now, in verse 8, it says, But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Lord is saying, I want you to be with me. I don't want you to be here. I don't want you to end up here. I want for you to be with me forever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus, in John, seven times he said, I am. I am the way, the truth, the life. I am the vine. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. Seven different times, seven different things are mentioned. He says, I am. Not I was or I will be. I am. I am. Regarding time and including that which is, was before and that which will come after, after time, God is almighty. Jesus is almighty. He is perfect. As for God, Psalms 18. This is a chapter that you were referencing. Was it 34b? 43b. Psalm 18, verse 30 to 32. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. It's tested. It's tried. It will stand. It stand it or has stood the test of time. He is a shield to all who trust in him. Place your trust in him. He will be a shield for you. Protection. For who is God except the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. Not only is, are his ways perfect, He's saying, I want your ways to be perfect. Trust in me. Psalm 18, verse 2 says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Man, he's a refuge for us. We can run to him. He will deliver us. Hebrews 13, verse 20. I love this. I've This verse the last number of years has been such a blessing to me because it talks about our lives, what he desires to do. Now, may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, just showing the power of God, that great shepherd of the sheep, the one that watches over us, Christ, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, through his body broken, his blood shed for us, a promise made, this covenant made to us, saying, I, I brought him up from the dead, the Father says, but by the Holy Spirit. He desires to make you complete in every good work to do his will, which is, we just read, is perfect. His ways are perfect. Working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. This, that's what this year is especially about. In his love, 
being all that not I, but rather we can be for his glory. Being all that we can be for his glory. Praise the Lord. Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2. says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. It's an endurance race to finish it. And endurance runs are, are hard. They're much harder because it's like, oh, I still got a ways to go. But it says, here's how we can make it. How? How do we make it? Not only do we get rid of the weights and the sins that so easily ensnare us, but we look onto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. In other, in other words, I suffered the cross, and I'm on the right hand of the Father. I have all power and authority as mine. You look to me. You will finish the race. You might say, I don't know if I have the faith to believe. No, you just look to me. I am the author. In fact, I would have, I would have you begin to have a little bit of faith that your faith would continue to grow. I'm, not, I'm the author, the one that would initiate faith within you and the finisher of your faith, that you would finish the race by looking to him. Look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He's all-powerful. He's all-powerful, overcoming the cross, despising the shame, and he's at the right hand. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He's in all power. Just to close, I want to close with not just sh why I should trust, when can I trust, every part of our life, right into eternity, but how can I trust? How do I trust? And we, it was great, I'm glad to, that one of you came forward to say, this is a promise from God. And you quoted Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. And it starts with this thing of us. Now, we, uh, you've heard so much of the promises and what the Lord has done and desires to do at whatever point of your life. doesn't matter. doesn't matter what you're going through. He desires to do what is good for you, what is perfect for you. The part that we need to do is trust. And I, I shared this an, a few years back, and it blew me away what the word trust means. Can everybody say batok? Batok. Okay, so the word trust in the Hebrew is batok or batak. Just remember that, batak, batak. Trust. Okay. Now here, when I saw the depth of this word, it's a process. I saw it was a process. And so I'm going to, in the process, I'm going to move. All right? So the first thing that we do when it comes to his command that is given to us or his promise that is given to us, we say, yes, Lord, I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to trust in this command, I'm going to do it. It takes faith on our part. And there's this certain amount of just throwing ourselves at the Lord in the, the command, in keeping the command, in doing the command, or doing the promise, or keeping the promise, hanging on to the promise. I'm going to trust you in this. That's all. Basically, that's all we do at that point in time. The second thing is, so the first part is ours, just do it. We do it. In fact, Andrew, was it you that opened up with uh, Philippians 4, I think it was, verses 4 to 8 or to 9? It says, Rejoice, Lord, always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto man. 
talks about the fact that you can bring. It says, bring your prayers and your supplications with thanksgiving onto the Lord or to the Lord. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your heart and mind through Christ. Then it talks about our thoughts, what our thoughts should be in. Talks about think on those things that are true and are good and are perfect and just and of good, of good report and are praiseworthy. Think on these things. And then the last verse, verse 9, what does it say? Can you quote? The things that you've seen and heard in me, as Paul is writing, the God of peace, you do this. Do these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Do. Do. So the first part is, I'm going to do what I have to do, what he tells me to do. I'm going to trust him that he's going to see me through. Now, the amazing thing is, if we do start to do that which we're supposed to, the next part of the word, batak, is to have confidence or be confident. So when you, the, the moment you place your trust in the Lord, I'm going to trust you, Lord. I don't know exactly how it's going to work, but I'm going to hang on to that. You get to a point of your confidence beginning to grow. And maybe it's as you get to know the Lord more as, or in the situation, you realize, oh, my goodness, he's seeing me through. I can't believe it. He's seeing me through. I'm going to make it through this. And it may be the worst of conditions, but I'm going to make it through. And our confidence begins to grow. Now, this is definition of the word batak. It's a process. So you need to go through the whole process because the next step is this, is that after our confidence builds, we get to a place of boldness. It says to be bold. The word batak then goes to our first step in trusting. Our confidence grows to the point of boldness. Now, the thing about boldness is this. When you get bold, man, do you begin to do something. Like you are past just beginning to trust. Now you're at a place that, man, I'm going to do, I, the Lord is saying or asking me to do something, I'm going to do it. Or I'm going to go ahead with this now because I'm bold. I am bold. Now a lot of times you say, oh, I wonder what's going to happen to me when I step forward by faith. I've got the boldness, but is he going to keep me? Listen to the last part of the definition of batak, the word trust in Hebrew, the depth. To be secure. Isn't that amazing? So I start to move forward in boldness. doesn't matter where I'm going because going, I'm moving in, in my trust is in him. And wherever I go, there's a security over me. There's a protection over me. Because he is with me, he will keep me. He will keep you. So we can be bold, but we... <laughs> the other day, it was pretty warm. You have this little above-ground pool. And uh, I've only been in the pool once this year. So my concern was, I don't know about the waters. I think it's a little bit on the cool side. Yesterday was, uh, I think it was 79 degrees Fahrenheit in the pool, okay? It wasn't 80. So I thought, well, if it was 80. So here I am. I'm standing on the edge. I'm just standing on the edge of the pool, and it's like, I don't know. Should I go in or not? I know I can do this. I really, come on, let's go. You ever... Do you ever get yourself one? Okay, I'm going to count to three, and then I'm going to jump in. One, two, three. You don't jump in. You're just, you're on the edge. You know what? So the thing with the Lord is that boldness now to step forward. So it's just like, oh, forget this. Like, I, I'm just going in. And so I got right to the edge, and I started to lean forward because I knew that as I lean forward, there's nothing else I can do. I'm going to fall in. So even as I start falling, I push off with my feet, and I dive in because I, hey, I'm going to get over the, the coldness of the water or whatever. 
was so refreshing. The security, when we step forward, when we jump in. Where's Ethan? It was a few years ago, you, you said, or you made a statement. And man, it was about jumping in, right? It was jumping in with the Lord. It was, I'm going to jump in head no tippy-toeing around the edge. No, just, oh, is it, is it, oh, it's, I don't know what the what temperatures. No, I'm going in all head first. Was that a good decision you made? It was absolutely, it was the best decision. You jumped in head first. Ethan, I've known you for many years, from when you were younger, as a teenager, and growing older, and there was different points where there was this tippy-toeing with the Lord. Just a tippy-toe, well, I don't know. But what a change, I'll just say, what a change that I've seen in you when you went in head first. You, have, we, you haven't arrived yet, but the good thing is you're trusting in the Lord, and I'm going to be secure. My confidence is growing. I'm getting to the place of, of not just boldness, but I'm jumping in. I'm jumping all the way in, and I am secure in Him. I don't have to be afraid. Praise God. What an awesome God we have. When it comes to the word, we can receive the promises as we place our trust completely in him. Let's just stand together. And um, I just, I want to, if there's anybody here that you've been tiptoeing around a relationship with God, with Jesus Christ, you just say, I'm, I'm giving myself completely to him. I recognize that I'm a sinner or I've sinned, or maybe you've strayed away, and you're not where you should be at. You say, man, I need to come back. I'll tell you, you don't have to be afraid of the Lord rejecting you. He loves you so much. His heart is for you to come back to him. You would come to him. Or maybe you're, you've been distant from him, or you're doing your own thing. Maybe you're not trusting in the Lord. So you're doing things on your own. And the Lord is saying, I want for you to trust in me. I want, you, I want to be I love when it came to his command that he gave before he left this planet in Matthew 28. He says, all power and authority, all power has been given to me in heaven and earth. So I want you to go out and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I want you to teach them all things that I've commanded you. And then he says, and lo, this, I love this part, and lo, I will be with you right to the end of of the age. I'm going to be with you right to the end of the age. Maybe you've been doing things on your own. You say, man, I need to come back to a place of trust in him. So let me pray as we close. Lord, for those that uh, maybe have to get to that place of trusting in you completely, Lord, they're just, they're, they're pondering, they're not sure, Lord, that they say, you know what, I'm taking that first step. For some of, for some of those they, that you're speaking to, they know exactly what it is that you've called them to, or you've asked them of things, or you've revealed things to them, and they're saying, oh, I don't know if I can do that. I'm not sure I can do that. Lord, I pray that they will just, even if they take that first step, say, Lord, okay, I'm going to trust in you. Lord, I pray that they will take that step of faith, even just the first step, and just hang on. Because, Lord, as they do, they, their faith and their confidence in you will increase and get stronger and stronger to a point of boldness, to be bold. And, Lord, even as they be, are bold, they will move forward in what you have called them to do. Lord, you desire to do some amazing things through every single person here who's given their life to you. Every single one, we are your workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works that were prepared beforehand, before time began, they were prepared that we would walk in them. Those things that you prepared for us, your workmanship, Lord, we would walk in them. And so, Lord, I pray that we would walk forward knowing that we are secure in you. You keep us. Lord, I pray that there would be that increase of faith, but also that there would be a full, vigorous, abundant life 
exciting life. I pray for an exciting life in you. And Lord, it doesn't matter what may, may be coming against us, Lord, that we would do exploits for you. And Lord, that we would do mighty things for you because you are almighty. And Lord, that in the process, we would always give you glory. That our lives and who we are, the things we say, the things we do, the things we think, the things that are our motivation and intention, whatever it may be. Lord, I pray that there will be a glorifying of you and exalting of you in it. In Jesus' name, I pray blessing on each and every one. I pray an anointing on each and every one. Your power, revelation of you on each and every one. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us for the sermon. We really hope that God spoke to your life. You can find more of the Word of God by watching our service live stream and listening to our podcast on our website, lighthouseniagara.com.